You know, I've been here several times, um, but I can tell you guys, this church is alive, and that's exciting. Um, so I, I really think, and I, I can just feel it when I walk in here, and and it's amazing. Uh, I go to a lot of churches a lot of different times, and almost every weekend. Last year, I was out 38 different churches, so 38 Sundays out of 52, we were in different churches. And I can tell you that this church is alive, and it's exciting to come here uh, not to mention the fact that we get to drive across the border and be in Kansas. I love being back in Kansas, so that's, uh, uh, but it is a little bit nerve-wracking coming and talking in front of people that I know. Usually I don't know anybody, so if I mess up, it's not a big deal. Um, I got, well, Bobby took off and left there. I call him Bobby. You call him Bob or Bobby or, all right, he's still Bobby. He's my cousin and, and it's so, so good to see him. I haven't seen Bobby in years, so it's great to see him and then, then my dad shows up today. He's from Whiting, so my dad is here. So that's a little bit nerve-wracking, too. i got to try to impress him all the time. Um, but my girls that I brought with me today, my wife stayed home with our little guy, and he got a little cough this morning, so we didn't want to have him drive. But you girls want to stand up? Yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. If I'm nervous, you can be nervous. Right next to my dad is Kylie. She's the senior this year. And then we have Daisha, who just turned into her teenage years, and that's very evident, right, Daisha? Yeah. And her sister, Deonce, and she's 14. And then the shortest one is my my senior daughter, Cassie. So we're excited to be here. And just real quick about Show Me, <coughs> excuse me, about Show Me Christian Youth Home. And I was scared I wasn't going to be able to talk today because I kind of woke up with the same thing. We were putting up hay yesterday and got a little dusty. But a lot of exciting things going on at Show Me right now. I mean, one of the things I want to talk about a little bit, and I got to brag and, and brag on my kids, my girls. We're 14 and four in volleyball, and we're ranked number one in the state in our state division. So that's pretty exciting. Um, I'm really proud of them. They've been doing well. Uh, we're in our we're in our fourth year of sports there at Show Me. So we've kind of built that program. We started off when 0 and 22, and the next year we ended up second in state. So we got a good group of girls. That's kind of fun. We are. Uh, building a couple new houses at Show Me right now, and that's exciting. You get to see the ground breaking. And the reason for those houses and the need for those houses is we have over 200 calls a year that come in uh, for placement. Last year, we were only able to place 11 new kids at Show Me. So, uh, you know, there's a huge need. Also, we, we, we stay in contact with Shiloh and and Alpha Home and all those other children's homes, we all talk to each other, and all of us are experiencing the same thing. Well over 200 calls a year. So there is a huge need, and I'm so excited when I see your bulletin board that you guys are supporting uh, children's ministries. Not just Show Me, but all the, the ministries that are out there doing this work, because there is a huge need. And I won't take a lot of time. If you, if you have questions, <clears throat> boy, it might be a long morning if I don't get this straightened out. <clears throat> Cassie, can you go get me a drink of water, you think? Um, but if you want some information about Show Me, uh, it's back there on the table. Please take it. That's why we bring it. We'll be here afterwards. I can talk to you all about that. Um, and I think the reason that as we get into Scripture and get into the sermon uh, or the message, I think I'm, the reason I'm so nervous today is because my wife's not with me. And it's been a rough year for us. I have gone to church and preached and my wife actually kind of let me down in this area, preached the whole sermon, got up in front of everybody, got done, went to the back, 
And I realized my zipper had been down the whole time. And I was like, oh my gosh, you know, I can't believe that. I said, Jody, you have one job to do. One job, and that's to make sure I'm completely dressed correctly, all right? I mean, I am getting older now. Some things like that don't, you know. And then we went clear up to Illinois to preach. And we drove, I don't know, five hours. And we stayed the night with a couple. I get up in the morning, get ready to take a shower, and I have no pants. I literally had no pants because I had shorts on driving there. And I'm thinking, okay, do we get there early and I stand behind the podium the whole time or what? But thankfully, thankfully, there was a a Walmart within 15 miles of where we were at and I got some new pants, but that was scary. You know, it's been a rough year and if she's not here, it's it's hard telling what's wrong with me today. So if there is something, just please don't tell me because I'll be embarrassed as it is. What we're going to look at this morning in the messages Um, What does God expect from us? What does God want from us? And we're going to look at this in two different ways. First of all, I pulled out some scripture and you know, it never, it never ceases to amaze me how God works because one of the verses you used, you know, Micah 6, 8, it's actually the first verse. And that happens a lot when we go to preach and inevitably somebody will talk about those same verses So, you know, it's a God thing, you know, but what does God expect from us? First, we're going to look at scripture. Then we're going to go back and we're going to look at some of the people in the Bible and how they responded to God's love for them. So first, we're going to look at Micah 6, 8 says he has shown you a mortal man what is good. And what does God or what does the Lord require of you to act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with God? So what does God expect from us? He expects us to walk with Him. He expects us to take some make make some effort. It's going to take some uh, work on our part, but we need to walk with Him and what He asks us to do. The next one we're going to look at is Jeremiah 33, 3. It says, Call to me, and I will answer you, and tell me great, or tell you great and unsearchable things that you do not know. So what does God expect us to do? He expects us to call on Him. You know, and this is hard for us. It's hard for us in our culture today to call on God because, you know, I know with my phone, we're driving along in the car and somebody goes, well, how does that work? Oh, let me Google it. You know, hey, Google, what? how's this work? How does that happen? Where's this at? So our first response a lot of times is not to call on God, but that's what God asks us to do. Jeremiah tells us, the first thing we need to do is we need to call on Him for the answers that we're seeking. Not the world, not Facebook. Sorry, Bobby, not Facebook. Um, and not Twitter or even Google. And I, and I hope, I, I really think it's sad that we had to say that Tim's on vacation. Is Tim watching? Could Tim be watching this? Yeah, because, you know, we don't really care. When you're in Hawaii, we don't really care. So if you didn't know, that's where he was, that's where he's at, and I, I really don't like him very much anymore. So just kidding, Tim. I love you, buddy. Um, but uh, God wants us to call on him. When we have problems, when we have issues, he needs to be our first call. Revelations 3.20. And this, this one actually reminds me of a, a story that I heard. Uh, it's this new preacher. He came to town, and he's trying to get everybody... Uh, get to know everybody in the town. 
So, you know, he's going around, he's calling on people, he's knocking on doors, and he gets to this door and he knocks. And he hears somebody in there, but they don't come to the door. And he knocks again, he hears some scrambling around, still nothing. He says, well, I, don't, I really can't wait all day. So he writes this verse um, on a piece of paper and puts it in the door. And it's, it's Revelations 3.20. Here I am, I stand at the door and I knock, and if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I'll come in and eat with that person and they with me. Right? Pretty good little verse to leave. Well, the next Sunday morning, the offering goes through. He's sitting there counting the offering after church. And there's a little note. And it's a verse. It comes from Genesis 3.10. And this is how it answers. I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked. Sorry, I didn't get as good a response as I thought I was going to. Anyway. <laughs> Revelation. He couldn't answer the door. Um uh, Revelation talks about that the fact that God, <laughs> God is always knocking at our door. God is seeking us. You know what? <laughs> what an awesome God we serve. We serve a God that wants a relationship with us. He desires the relationship with me, with you, with everyone around us, from the, the worst sinner to the most righteous person. He desires that relationship. He knocks. And that's what God expects from us. He expects us to hear Him and let Him into our lives. Hebrews 4.6, or 4.16, I'm sorry. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. This is an area where I really struggle. I have to be honest. I really struggle when it comes to being confident in God. And, and I know that you're probably thinking, wow, I've got a preacher up here that's not confident in God. But, you know, I have complete confidence in the fact that Jesus was born to a virgin. I, I have complete confidence that that happened. I have complete confidence that Jesus walked this earth for 33 years and he preached and he taught. I have complete confidence in that. I have complete confidence in the fact that Jesus Christ, for my sake and for your sake, went to the cross, was beaten, was nailed. I have complete confidence in that. I have complete confidence in the fact that He died and that He went to the grave. And I also have complete confidence in the fact that He rose and He took away my sins. But boy, I don't live it sometimes. You know, I don't know where you're at with that, but there's a lot of times I go through my day and I'm really struggling with something and I try to figure it out. I'm the man. I'm supposed to be able to figure out every problem. You know, it show me there's lots of things going on and lots of people asking me questions and I'm thinking, well, I've got to handle every single one of these questions. And I don't even bother taking them to God. So I need to have more confidence. And I think that's what... Um, Hebrews is telling us that we all need to go to God with the confidence of the fact that He can handle it. He can take away the problems that we face each and every day. He will give you the strength or He will put people in front of you that will help you. So we need to, to approach Him with that confidence. And what does God expect? He expects us to have confidence in our faith so that we 
so that we can find His mercy, His true mercy and His grace. Galatians 5.1 It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yokes of slavery. And I, uh, that, I love that verse. I've been wearing this wristband for about four years. I went to a men's encounter, and that verse is on it. And I have to look at that thing every single day because I forget. I forget that God, when Jesus died on that cross, He died for my sins. And no, how, no matter how bad they were, they are forgiven and they are forgotten. Because if you read that again, that, that verse at the end of it says, uh, no longer burdened or burdened, no longer burdened again by the, lo- the yoke of slavery. Now, as long as, as long as we can continue to live our lives and continue to focus on God, that He has forgiven those sins. And that's powerful. You know, a lot of times we know He's forgiven them, but they were so bad, He really can't forgive that. Or I did this. He doesn't know exactly what I've done. Yeah, He does. And He forgave you for that. So those are our verses. Sorry, I'm a little bit out of whack here. Those are the verses that we're going to talk about. And I'm amazed when I read those scriptures and I ask myself, is it really that hard to be a Christian? Because, boy, it was pretty simple, wasn't it? He just said, number one, he said, walk with me. He said, call on me. He said, hear me, be confident in me, and allow me to give you freedom. How many times have we heard, it's just so hard to be a Christian? Have you heard that before? I have. Man, it's just so hard. I can't, I, I can't do this and I can't do that. But really, he's not asking us to do a whole bunch of things that we can't do. He didn't all of a sudden say, hey, guess what? I want you to read my scripture every single day. I want you to read 20 verses in that Bible or 20 chapters in your Bible. He didn't say that. He didn't say, I want you to go out and talk to 20 non-believers every single day. He doesn't give us those restrictions. He basically just says, walk with me, call on me, hear me. Be confident in me and allow me to give you freedom. Let's look at uh, some of the people in the Bible. And I, I slip up every once in a while and I call them characters. And, I, and that's this one area that I really like to talk about because, you know, I grew up knowing the Bible stories. How many knew the Bible stories growing up? Well, and that's okay if it was 30 years ago or 40 years ago, to say the stories. But I think today, I think story with our current environment means it's fake. So I really I really want to stress the fact that these are not just made-up stories. These things really happen. These are histories. These are facts. These are people that actually lived and walked on this earth. And I think that we have to be very clear with our children and our young people today because there is such a gray area of what kids take in and what they, what they think is truth. And we become so, so gray that we can't tell what's right and what's wrong. So I think we have to be very careful. 
And I know that God has put that on my heart that when you're up there, you gotta, you gotta be able to say, this is truth or this is not truth. So when I talk about these people and this history of the Bible, just know that, that these things actually happen. And the first one we're going to talk about is David. It's the obvious one. Um, David is a boy at, when we first meet him in the Bible, a young man. And he walks into this camp, I'm sure, of all the people that he's looked up to all of his life. These are, you know, the, the warriors. These are the guys that fight the battles. And I'm sure David is in awe when he walks in the camp. And man, I just want to be like that guy someday. I want to be like those guys. But yet he walks into that camp that day, and they're all standing around scared to fight the giant. Right? I mean, he's, he's, they're, they're terrified. And he said, what is your problem? We serve a God that can handle anything. And what's he do? They, 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 he says, I'll go do it. And they try to put the armor on him and he can't do it. It falls, he can't even walk in it. He said, I don't need any of this. I have God. And he, what's he do? He goes out there and he conquers the giant. Well, is that what God expects from us? I mean, does God expect us to put our life on the line? Does he expect us to go face something that seems impossible? I don't know. Let's look at another one. His name is Ananias. And Ananias is a guy that I just I absolutely, I'm, I'm fascinated with this guy. He's only mentioned this one time in the Bible. It's in Acts 9, 10 through 15. In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision and he said, yes, Lord. And I want to stop right there because boy, I tell you what, he must have an awesome relationship with God. Right? I mean, he has an audible conversation with God. He said, he called him and he answered and they're talking. And the Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tars named Saul. And he is there praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. And this is the part that kind of gives me some comfort. Because I know when God has asked us or God asked us to do things, we're like, oh, I don't know if I really want to do that. Ananias did the same thing. Ananias said, Lord, wait, I've heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with the authority from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said, Ananias, go. This man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their king, and the people of Israel. And first, my first thought about Ananias is, man, I would, I'd be ticked off. Here I'm a devout follower of God. I have a relationship with you, God, that I can talk to you, and you're going to pick somebody that's killed Christians to be your voice? Does, anybody, does that bother anybody else? That I mean, that really... That would hurt me. I would think, wow, I'm done. I'm done with this Christianity stuff. I mean, here, I've worked my whole life. I've done all these things. Why does he get to do it? But he does it. He listens to what God tells him to do, and he goes and he heals heals him. The next one we're going to look at is the, is the disciples. And we're going to look at the Great Commission. 
Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. Have you guys, when you read that, I'm sure we've all read the Great Commission. That's really hard. That's, I mean, actually, it's kind of encouraging to know that these 11 guys were standing there um, and they were told by Jesus what to do and there were still some of them had doubted. You realize that Jesus had died? Jesus had gone to the cross. He had died. He had gone to the grave. He had been raised from the grave. He's standing in front of you telling you to go do something. And it says right here that some of them doubted. I mean, we have people in our faith now that have never seen Jesus ever, and they believe, right? These guys doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely, I am with you always to the very end of the age. And each one of those disciples did exactly what Jesus told them to do right up to their death. Is that what God expects us to do? Does God expect us to to witness? Does God expect us to get outside this church and bring people to Him? No matter what, even even if it's to our death. So now if you're like me, I'm, you're probably a little confused. Because when we read the scriptures, it said just simply walk with me, call on me, hear me, be confident in me, and allow me to give you freedom. That doesn't sound anything like giving up my life for you. So what, what, how's this work? Well, I think that, uh, Paul writes it in Romans 12 really clearly. He said, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, in view of what God has done for us, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. See, for the rest of the verse goes on, or the rest of the chapter goes on and talks like this. It says, For by the grace given to me, I say to each and every one of you, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with somber judgment, in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we though many form one body, and each member belongs all to the others. We have different gifts according to the grace that's been given to us. If your gift is prophecy, then prophesy according with your faith. If it is to serve, then serve. If it is to teach, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do so diligently. And if it is to show mercy, do so cheerfully. See, I think each and every one of us have a job to do. We are all part of the body of Christ. When we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, then we are obligated to use the gifts 
that God has given us. You know, and I hear a lot of times, and I, I'm sure you guys have too, why didn't God show up in this situation? Why wasn't God at this school when these kids got shot? Uh, why wasn't God there to stop that accident from happening when I lost a loved one? And I'm not saying, I'm not saying that we can prevent all those things from happening. But what I'm saying is that if we are not doing what God has called us to do, then the body of Christ is not functioning correctly. If we are not doing what God has called us individually, not as a church, but individually, then the body of Christ is not functioning correctly. If I didn't have legs this morning, I could not have walked up here on the stage. And I know that sounds simple, but that's the truth. If we did not have a voice, I could not speak this morning. If these guys did not have the talent that they have when they come up here to play this music, we wouldn't have had music this morning. And those are all gifts and all things that God has given each one of us. Every single one of us. It doesn't say just the good-looking people. Thank goodness for that, right? It doesn't say just the skinny people or just the people that can do great things. Actually, if we read through the Bible, God uses a lot of messed up people to do His work. He does. I mean, every single one of them have a lot of flaws. And so do we. But He also has given us talents. Now, i got to tell you a story. And it's about this little first grade boy. And he's so excited because he just he just had this revelation. He figured out what he wanted to do when he grew up. And he's so excited. You know, they have story time at first grade. And he, he can't wait to tell... You know, he's just getting so excited he can't take it. He can't even get the words out. At home, he's just going around the house, Mom, I can't wait till I get to school because I want to tell everybody what I'm going to do. I know what I'm going to do when I grow up. And so he gets to school. He says, teacher, teacher, can I tell everybody what I'm going to do? And he says, she says, wait, you know, story time's in a little while. But i got, I got to tell everybody what I'm going to do. So she finally gets to that point in class, and the little boy gets up there and goes, listen, I know what I'm going to do when I grow up. I'm going to be a lion tamer. And every time I get in that cage with those wild lions, and he stopped. I don't think he had thought that totally through when he walked in there he goes wow i'm going to be in there with man-eating lions and all of a sudden he thinks but my mom's going to be there with me all right so everything's okay guys it's the same way it is with us there's going to be things that god is going to call you to do that it's going to be crazy it's going to be absolutely crazy and he's going to i want you to move in this direction and you're going to, no, I can't do that. But you know what? God will be there. Just like that little boy's mom in his mind is going to be there with him through everything. The last, the last thing I'd like to address today, this morning is there, there, there may be people here this morning that are, that are non-believers. People that have not made a decision to follow Christ. And I tell you, your list isn't very long. Um, God simply wants you and expects you or want, asks you, He's begging you to just realize the fact that you're a sinner, that you've fallen short. God, all He expects us to do is just to say, you know what? God, I can't do this on my own anymore. And that's it. All you have to do this morning is humble yourself to the point where you can say, you know what, I have messed up 
And Lord, I am sorry. That's it. That's all we have to do. And I'll tell you what, if you're here this morning and you're not a baptized believer, I'll tell you what, the Holy Spirit's already working in your life. Otherwise, you wouldn't be here. Otherwise, you would not have come into these doors this morning. I don't care if your, your mom dragged you here, your husband dragged you here, your wife dragged you here. I don't care who you are or what you are. There's a reason. And the Holy Spirit has moved in a way that has brought you here today. And I can tell you, I didn't come become a Christian until I was 28 years old. Now, I went to church. I went to church as a kid. But it didn't really mean anything to me. And I began to live my life in a way that I, I you know, it wasn't terrible. But it also wasn't the way God wanted me to live. I didn't, I didn't think I was a bad guy. And you know what? That's the worst kind of spot to be in. If you're sitting out there today, say, I've been to church my whole life. I'm covered. I believe that Jesus died for my sins. That's where I was. I'm a good guy. I haven't killed anybody. I, I, I had a friend, I'm, I'm a kid, I had a friend that I was talking to about Jesus, and he goes, I'm a good guy. I've not killed anybody. I haven't robbed any banks. I'm going to heaven. But have you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Have you allowed Him to change your life? And I can tell you that He will change your life. When you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, your life will begin to change. And boy, I tell you, I have no regrets. There's not one day that I think, wow, I wish I wouldn't have become a Christian. I wish I wouldn't have left my, left, um, my old life to do what I'm doing today. But that's all God wants from you. So if you're in that spot, if you need to make a decision, please come forward. If you're somebody that's been in this church for a long time and, and you're sitting there just like I was, I grew up in the church, but I was not making that decision, please come forward. Please give your life to Christ and make, make a difference. It will make a difference. God will change you in a way that you've never been changed before. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much for being a God that loves us. Lord, you're knocking at the door right now. You're, you're saying, please come to me. Lord, I just thank you that you love us that much, that you care about us that much, that you're willing to, to give everything that we may not perish. So Lord, I just, I just pray today that as we, we leave this building, that we can do the things that you want us to do, that we can do what you expect us to do, that, that we would realize the talents, the strengths that you've given us. Lord, I pray that as we, we realize those things, that we begin to change the world around us. And Lord, you're an awesome God, and we are comforted by the fact that we know that you will be right there with us every step of the way. You're an awesome God. And Lord, we just thank you so much. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.